Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, what a beautiful presence there is in the house this morning. Hey, you know, tonight we're going to be entering into God's presence again in a whole new level as we have a worship night. And, you know, I really want to encourage you to be here tonight. Um, I'm sure the worship team would agree with me that God's going to do something new tonight in a whole new powerful way. And, you know, I love the worship of our house. It's a unique sound that we have as we just reach God. And, you know, I was just really feeling just before I come up that um, God wanted to say that tonight, you know, we're going to really experience God's presence in such a thick and tangible way. You know, God's given us senses. And in every single sense God's given us, we can feel Him. You know, we can, we can touch Him. There's this, there's this thing we can feel about the presence of God. We can smell just in the atmosphere this aroma of God. There's, oh, there's so many, we can hear the Word of God, you know. And tonight is going to be just absolutely incredible. So please be here. Maybe you've made dinner plans with someone. Maybe just postpone them and come here instead. It's going to be just absolutely incredible. Okay, can we just thank the worship team just for just the incredible way they serve the house and invite us into worship? I'll just get you, Brody, to hang around with me uh, just as we pray. But hey, we're going to get into the Word of God now. Who loves the Word of God? Who knows that it can speak powerfully into your life, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through? But we're going to continue on our theme of relationships, um, opening up to others. So let's just pray this morning as we come into the Word. Heavenly Father, we can sense that you're in this place. We thank you, God, for this time now where we come around your Word. God, where we focus on what you want to speak to us this week, what you want to challenge us in, where you want us to grow. So Father, as we open up the Word here today, I pray for every single person in this place, as they sit in their seats, Lord, may they know that you're sitting right next to them, with your arm around them, just speaking into whatever area of need they have. So God, speak through me today. I pray that the anointing will fall. God, that it won't be my words that speak into people's lives, but they'll be your words. So take this message, God, that I've prepared to the best of my ability. Help me to preach it with the power that is in the Word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a clap offering of praise. Thanks, Brody. You can take your seat. So this passage of Scripture that I'm going to open up and preach today uh, is one that I think can be difficult to understand at a surface level. Who knows that sometimes with the Word of God, you have to go a bit deeper into it to find its true meaning. And I feel it can be particularly difficult to preach in today's day and culture. But I strongly believe that God challenged me to preach it with boldness and confidence today because of the breakthroughs that I'm believing that it's going to bring into your life and in particular into the area of your relationships. And this passage that I'll start preaching today, it might at first seem like it's just for the married people. But I promise you this, this passage of scripture spoke powerfully to me even before I was married. So whether you are married or whether you're engaged, uh, maybe you're single and you want to get married one day. Andrew Hill, come on. Um, maybe you're, even if you're raising a teenager or you have young adult children, uh, if you want to deepen your relationship with your very own parents, even if you want to grow in just your knowledge about the differences between men and women, this passage is going to speak to you, I believe, today. So are we ready? 
Ready for the Word of God? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. The Apostle Paul writes, these are instructions for Christian households. He starts off, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let's just stop there before we go any further. Because right away, the context of what Paul is saying is right here. It's out of reverence for Christ. So we can't read this passage, like I was saying, from the worldly culture that we live in. This message is going to require Christian maturity to hear God's heart in it. Let me just quickly say a few things before we continue on. When it comes to the Word of God, there are parts of it where you can either choose to be offended or you can choose to either be empowered. Because there will be things that we read in the Bible that will challenge us. And it's up to us how we're going to choose to listen to it and react to it. Will we choose to see God's heart in it? Or will we just dismiss it and say it's irrelevant um, at the moment? Because the thing is that the world will twist the word of God. It'll say, oh, that's sexist, or that's racist, or that's disgusting, or that's irrelevant. And, and the world will just remove God's heart and God's truth out of the Word of God. But who knows that the Word of God is alive and active? You know, it, it's as powerful today as it was when it was first written and put together. And the thing is that although times may have changed, truth does not. And that's the filter we have to read some of these challenging scriptures with. Yes, times have changed, but truth will not. The Word of God lives on forever. So Ephesians 5, 21-33, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. See how it's challenging? Pray for me today. Husbands, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And this is the verse I really wanted to get to, verse 33. However, so speaking to the men, each one of you also must love. Everyone say love. Love, love his wife as he loves himself. And now to the women. And the wife must respect. Everyone say respect. Or in other translations, it says reverence her husband. Amen to God's word. So my message title for you today, if you want to take notes, maybe you want to talk about this further in your connect groups during the week. It takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. Often this, um, this saying can be used, it's in many different ways, but it can often be used when it comes to arguments. 
Now, myself and Em, uh, we have been together probably for about three years now, um, almost three years, and we've had our fair share of arguments and heated battles before, but I know you all have too, so don't look at me with judgmental faces. Um, but we're both very passionate, passionate people, so sometimes a little spark can cause a big bushfire, and our arguments can get quite heated sometimes. Um, but, you know, one of the most stupidest arguments that we had was up at National Conference um, one time. Uh, believe it or not, we ruined our whole week up at, in the presence of God. We were just arguing the whole time. What happened was, um, it was my fault, so I'm just going to say this right now. <laughs> I started it anyways. So... Um, yeah, thank you. Let me shame myself. <laughs> um, so I was at a Phil Pringle like masterclass for preaching. I think Emma had gone back to her room and was just kind of waiting um, for me to come back and then we could go to the beach or something. And um, after the masterclass, I decided to go have a beer with Ben Aiken. The problem was I didn't tell Em that's what I was doing. So she was there waiting for me. Um, but I was just off having a beer with Ben Aiken, and my phone was still on silent, so I didn't really hear any of her messages or calls. And so by the time like, I finished having a beer with Ben Aiken and got back onto her, Em felt quite unloved. Understandable, right? And so because she felt so unloved, I felt she reacted in a way that was disrespectful. And because I felt disrespected, I reacted in a way that was without love. And because she felt unloved, she reacted in a way that was disrespectful. And because I felt disrespected, I acted in a way without love. And because she felt not loved, she reacted in a way without respect. And you get the point. And it went, it went around and around, and, and we ruined our conference because we were arguing the whole time. Um, you know, we would say things like, you just need to humble yourself. And, you know, who's had those arguments before? You need to humble yourself. Um, Who's had those arguments even on the way to church before? Anyone? You know, just before Connect Group, after church, like, like we all have them. But we've realized that no matter who starts something, when it comes to a big argument, it takes two to tango. And so we recommended this book called Love and Respect because we found that we weren't very good at dealing with a confrontation. So we recommended this book, Love and Respect, and I'd highly love to recommend it to any one of you, whether you're married or not. It's from this man named Dr. Emerson Egricks. So he writes this book. He has over three decades of counseling experience with Christian married couples. So he's a born-again Christian. He's done a lot of biblical and scientific research. And he writes about the secret to doing married life well, love and respect. But the thing that's funny about what he says, he admits it was actually never meant to be a secret because it's been in the Bible the whole time. God's given us one of the recipes for how to do a relationship well. Ephesians 5.33 again, it says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So God obviously designed men and women very differently, and that we need different things. Um, number one, he designed us very different physically, which is great. That's fantastic. Um, in fact, when Adam had just woken up in the Garden of Eden, um, you know, God put him to sleep. He removed a rib from him to make the woman. 
from, from the side because the woman's to be side to side to the man. She is to be equal under the arm because he's meant to protect her and guide her under the rib because it's close to the heart. You know, Adam woke up, he was a bit dazed still, and he was walking through the Garden of Eden. And of course, they were naked because they felt no shame. And so when Adam looked up, he saw the woman and he said, Whoa, man! Whoa, man! And that's why God said, She shall be named woman. It's a bad joke. <laughs> but also, mainly emotionally, number two, we're very different emotionally. Both men and women have different needs to function well in life. And as the scripture tells us, a woman's deepest need is to be loved. But the thing is, a man's deepest need isn't actually to be loved. That is important to us. But a man's deepest need is to be respected. And where people often get it wrong, and where marriage books often get it wrong, is when they say that all you need in a healthy relationship is love. You know, the Beatles may have been a great band, and their song, All You Need Is Love, may have been a great song. But I'm sorry to offend you if you like the Beatles. The Beatles were wrong. Because love is not all you need for a healthy relationship. Because it takes two to tango. And the two things that you need for a healthy relationship is love and respect. It takes two to tango. And it's not as simple about it just being about the one. Because the reality is you actually can't do one without the other. You know, sometimes it takes two. When, when, Jesus, when it describes Jesus in, in 1 John 1.17, it says that he was full of grace and truth. Because you can't have one fully without the other. He wasn't half grace and half truth, fully grace, fully truth. And you can't live the Christian life with just one of them. You can't be all just about grace, 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 grace and ignore truth. But you can't also be all about truth, truth, truth and ignore the need for grace. Because it takes two to tango. Um, remember the scripture where, where the religious leaders tried to challenge Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment? Let's go there, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40. Amen. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, because he made them sad, you see. I promise that's the last bad joke I'll do. <laughs> the, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I don't know what accent he had, but... Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, he said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in respect. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus is basically saying, if you want to obey God and live for him, then it's not just about the one thing, about loving the Lord your God. It is also about loving your neighbor and respecting them as yourself. In other words, if you want to dance with God, it takes two to tango. So let's go back to our passage for a few moments. And I want to just break down 
what it means for a wife to respect her husband and for a man to love his wife. And just like I mentioned, even if you're not married in this place, this, this principle of love and respect will still speak to you in all different types of relationships, whether it's with your own father and mother, maybe your siblings, to your own sons and daughters, to your connect group leader, to your pastors, to your boss even, to your friends. Because to do all of these relationships well, we still need these two things of love and respect in the way that's appropriate for those relationships. So this message is not just for married people. And, you know, I'm just going to share just a couple of quick thoughts. I don't have time to get in depth with all this. But um, if you want to actually go in depth about what it means to, as a husband, love your wife, and as a wife, what it means to respect your husband, I would really encourage you to buy this book because he breaks it down like in that many pages, and it's really helpful and amazing. But let me just cover a couple of basic things. Let's go back to Ephesians 5, 21 to 24. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So what does it look like for a wife to submit to or to respect her husband? Firstly, what it does not mean. Let's cover that first. It does not mean that the husband is superior. It does not mean that the husband is always right. It does not mean that you are not allowed to argue or disagree. It does not mean that the husband has the final say. It does not mean that he is more spiritual or closer to God. But some examples of what respect does look like. It means that you talk him up, not talk him down, even when you're talking to your friends. It means that you encourage him when he's carrying a burden. You know, there are some burdens that a man is designed to carry that you're not designed to carry. And it's okay sometimes to let a man carry a burden that's not meant to be yours and vice versa. It's when you appreciate his desire to protect and to provide. It's when you acknowledge the sacrifices that he's made. It's giving him permission to lead when necessary. It's acknowledging his achievements. And it's trusting what he believes God has said to him. And so in this passage, it says that the husband is the head of the wife. And the head in this, it's used as a metaphor for the natural body. Like I mentioned earlier, God created woman out of the side of the man, not from the head or the feet, from the side, because we are equal. We're to do this together. But in this passage here, it's using the head as a metaphor. And I read in the Matthew Henry commentaries that I have, he wrote that the head is a place of knowledge, of wisdom, and the fountain of the sense and motion. And so he's not at all putting the man above the woman. But what he's saying is that there is a special anointing that God will put on a man to lead his family well if you will respect him with that. 
He's not, and I'm not saying that every man has done that appropriately and has done that well. But I want to encourage you, like as a woman of God, to, to pray to God and, and respect your man and trust that God will anoint him to lead your family well in times of need. When you show a man respect, he can then lead with power. He can then lead with confidence. It helps him to get closer to God when you give him the, the respect that is due to him. But this is the thing. If you don't give a man any respect, it will actually disempower him. It will disempower him to lead well. And I can even prove this now with a scripture. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. And this is about Jesus. This is a prophet without honor. So it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? So as in, they had so much love for Jesus and what he was doing. Wow, look at these miracles he's performing. Wow, look at these amazing things that he's saying. But watch how it turns in verse 3. They said, isn't this the carpenter? Hang on a second. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And it says that they took offense at him. Because what happened was they saw him, they recognized him as one of their own. And so even though they loved what he was doing, they said, hang on a second. He's nothing special. He's just common just like us. We know this guy. He's from our own home, our own town. And so they disrespected and removed the honor that was due to him as the son of God, as a prophet, as a teacher. And Jesus said this, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And this is like one of the craziest verses to me in the Bible. It says that Jesus could not do any miracles there. I think that's the only time in the Bible it says Jesus could not, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Isn't that insane that disrespect and a lack of honor disempowered Jesus to release miracles into the lives of those people because of their lack of faith? It wasn't that, that Jesus couldn't do it, but it, because he was so disrespected by them, it actually stopped them from receiving the very thing that he could have done for them. And so if, it, if disrespect and dishonor disempowers what Jesus can do for you, imagine how much more that's going to affect a man in your own life when you disempower him and disrespect him. And so... What I want to encourage the women of this church is that occasionally when, when the man says that he loves you, occasionally, not all the time, but don't be afraid to say, and I respect you, because you have no idea what that will do to a man. It's when you speak into his life and say, I actually respect you and I honor you for the things that you do. That doesn't mean that he's done everything perfectly, 
but, what, but there might be some little things that you can find that you speak into his life that will build him up and empower him. And I promise you, he'll do better and better and better if you speak life into him and give him respect and honor. Let's be a community of people that show respect to our fathers, to our brothers, to our connect group leaders, to our pastors, you know, to our husbands, because I promise you, it will help them to step into who God created them to be. Amen? Now I want to encourage and challenge the men and myself. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So right after Paul encourages the women to respect and honor their husbands, he immediately moves straight into telling the men to love your wives. And he uses the love of Christ to the church as an example. Because here's the thing, when a man loves his wife or his mother or sister or sister in Christ, as Christ loved the church, he will never ever abuse his headship or his respect. He will never ever abuse it and take it for granted. Because Jesus' love was sincere. It was pure and of affection. It was to put the needs of the church first. It was to protect it. It was to serve it. It was to build it up. It was to honor it, and it was to cover her in prayer. Just like I said, by the washing with water through the word. You know, we need to cover men, the women in our church, in prayer. We need to take initiative that God has an anointing and an authority that is put on your world to pray and to cover the women in your life with prayer. Whether that's your mother or your sister or your partner or, or your sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility as men to rise up and to pray. And if that means getting up earlier in the morning to find time to do it, then you need to do it. If that means taking time off work during your lunch break to do it, then do it. But there is no excuse as a man to not cover the women in your life with prayer. We are commanded by God to rise up and be men that will take authority over strongholds, the things that are holding our women back, and release them into the potential of what God is calling them to be. We need to speak and prophesy Scripture over their life, bring out the best in them, encourage them, lift them up, and put them above our own needs. And I know that is challenging, and I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, I don't do that as well as I should. But today, let's be encouraged by the Word of God to rise up and be the men that God is calling us to be. The way that we do that is by getting closer to Jesus. Because like it's saying, Jesus is the example of how we are to love. And so that might seem impossible, but it's just step by step in prayer, getting closer to Jesus, asking us, how did you love the church, Jesus? Show me how I can love better in my life. Because as men, we're not naturally as good at loving as women are. Women naturally love better. They have this 
a nature about them that's caring and nurture. And as men, we sometimes aren't naturally as good at that. But we need to remind each other and encourage each other to do that, just as Jesus did it for the church. I might grab the keys up, if that's okay. Thanks, Brody. Because when it comes to growing a great church, a great community of faith that's powerful, that's safe, that's accepting, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. It takes godly men that will love and respect the women of this church. And it also takes godly women that will love and respect the men of this church. You know, God created woman out of the side of the man. God created the woman with the man asleep because God didn't need Adam's input into how he was to create the woman. She was created perfect perfectly to work well with the man. We're in this together. There are certain strengths that that we have that you don't have, that you have that we have. And the way to release each other into our God-given strengths and calling is to love and respect each other. Whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's your friends in your connect group, whether it's with your own family, we are called to love and respect each other. And it takes equal effort for both men to to love their wives and for both women to respect their husbands. It's sometimes this battle of the flesh because it doesn't come naturally. But, you know, like God is is calling us to rise up and to pray, to ask Him, how can I do this better in the relationships that I have? You know, Jesus was the one who exampled love and respect perfectly perfectly. Jesus exampled love by ultimately giving his life for us. He exampled it in so many ways, but ultimately by dying for us. You know, no greater love is this than someone who would give up their life for a friend. And, you know, Jesus loved us even though we, we might not love him back. He took that risk. Jesus loved us no matter what sin we have inside of us. He loved us so much. He exampled that perfectly. But this is the other thing. Jesus also respects you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, Jesus has the ultimate respect for you. God respects you so much that he's given you a free will, that he will never force you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's how much he respects you, is that if you don't want to accept it, he respects that. He respects you so much that you can make your own choices in life. You can choose to follow him or to not. It's love and respect. And I want to give an altar call in a moment. If you all actually close your eyes right now, bow your heads. Because I want to invite you, if you feel disconnected from God in any way, whether that's maybe you once had a relationship with him and now you've fell apart, Maybe you've never, ever known Christ before. But if you want to take a moment and respond to this altar call and say, yes, God, I choose you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that will help you to connect with God. When it comes to meeting God, it, it takes two to tango. It takes what Jesus did on the cross, which he's already done. He's already said yes to you. To you. But it also now takes you to say yes to him. 
for a relationship with God, it's both. It's what Jesus did, but it's also you. And so in this moment right now, I feel the presence of God. There are people here that God wants to reconnect with. And soon on the count of three, if that's you, if you want to reconnect your life to Christ, whether it's for the first time or maybe you're, you're doing it again, I want you to raise your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you and help you to connect with the God of heaven, the God that loves you and the God that respects you. So on the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up nice and high because I would love to lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Thank you, I see that hand. Who else is there? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, your grace. Thank you, Lord. Come on, put it up nice and high right now. I want to see it. Thank you, I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I feel God wants to say to the women of this church that He loves you so much. He created you out of love. He loves you despite your flaws. God only sees the beauty that's in you. I feel like God wants to say to the men, God's saying, I respect you. I respect who you are. I respect who you've become. But I want to be involved in your life. Is there anyone else? So far, three people have responded. Would anyone else like to join them? Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Hey, what I want to do, I want to invite those three people to come down to the front because I would just love to lead you in a prayer that will connect you with God in heaven. So if that's you, could we just put our hands together and encourage these people down the front? Right now, come on, amen. Yes, thank you, Jesus. What a powerful moment. Wow, so exciting. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what a brave decision. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just create a moment for God to come into your life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for every single person that has responded right now to a relationship with you. Lord God, I feel your love just pouring out, touching every life. Thank you, Jesus, for a new beginning, a new start. Lord God, you're moving powerfully. Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer right now. This is your prayer to God. It's just going to help you to receive the grace that God has for you. So just repeat this after me, but it's your prayer. It's not mine. And I believe that God's going to come into your life right now. So say this, Dear Heavenly Father, right here on this altar, I'm making a decision in my heart to give my life to you. I surrender my past. I surrender my future. I give you this moment. I love you, Jesus. I respect what you did for me. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you raised from the dead to give me life. I accept your grace. I accept a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let me pray for you. Sorry, what was your name? Suzanne. Heavenly Father, come on church, let's pray. We thank you for Suzanne. Lord God, I thank you for this powerful moment in her life. 
God, I thank you that you're looking down on her right now and you're smiling. You're rejoicing in heaven. There is a party going on for Suzanne has found her way home into your presence. God, we pray into her future. We thank you that it is bright. It is full of hope and joy. God, I thank you that whatever she may have lost, God, you will restore. God, I thank you for your grace pouring into her life. I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, for for her future, that it's bright and exciting. In Jesus' name, God, we're so excited for her. We stand with her as she starts this new journey, as she commits to growing a deeper relationship with you. I pray, God, that during times of worship, she'll experience your powerful presence. I pray that during times of reading the Bible, it will come alive and speak to her directly. God, I thank you for every moment in prayer that she'll feel close to you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for Suzanne. Lord, I thank you for Daniel. God, I thank you for the courage to step forward and to say, I'm starting again. I'm recommitting my life to you. God, I pray that that things will just break off him, God. Things that weren't designed to be on him, God, just release him, God, from those things. God, I pray, God, your grace. God, I pray your love. Oh, Lord God, I thank you that you respect him as a man. Lord God, I thank you his future is bright. You've called him into new things today. Thank you, Jesus, for for a great deposit of the Holy Spirit. God, fill him right now. God, that burdens will fall off him. The weight of the world will fall off him. God, he'll feel light. He'll feel fresh in your presence. God, his life is changing from today. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. You wipe away every tear. You wipe away every mistake. The old is gone, the new has come. The glory of God is coming onto his life today. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Bless him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, what's your name? Amelia? Amelia? Lord God, we thank you for Amelia. God, we thank you that at such a young age, she wants to know you. I thank you, God, that she is so brave. God, I thank you that she wants to know you deeply. Lord, we just pray that you'll continue, God, to help her to grow into an amazing woman of God. God, I thank you for her future, that it's bright. God, I thank you that you will fill her life with so much fun. So many good friends, God, in this season. God, I pray you encourage her in every single part of her life. God, I thank you that she will know your presence from this moment on in a whole new way. She'll always know that you are with her. In Jesus' name, thank you for this decision today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.